Let us begin with the Gayatri prayer. Please join me in offering this most ancient and sublime invocation. Om. Let us meditate on the glory of that effulgent reality from whom the whole universe is projected. May that enlighten our mind. For just a few moments, let us become calm and subjective, practicing meditation with devotion and determination. Please take the prayer book, Prayers of Self-Realization, and turn to prayer number one, which may be found on page 19. Calmly and devotedly, let us pray. Awake, O my soul, awake. Thy wisdom unveils the mystery of life. Thy power guides the course of the universe. Thy peace fills it with joy. O thou almighty, awake. Awake in my heart, awake. When my littleness hides thy magnificence in my life, come, come with thy piercing truth. I shall find my freedom in thee. When I, like a coward, fear to face the adversity of life, arouse within me thy ever-conquering power. I shall win life's victory. When sorrows, like dark clouds, oppress my heart, Arise with the light of thy bursting joy. I shall radiate thy peace. 
Awake, O my soul, awake. Awake in my heart, awake. Amen. The idea of living in peace seems exceptionally challenging, to say the least, particularly when all around us seem so volatile, difficult, and uncertain. We have constant demands on our attention, yet we desire moments of calm to help restore us, to help us keep our head straight, and to serve the needs of life with wisdom. Rather than dry philosophy, we want tools for the art of living. Maybe something like those little life hacks that are so often presented to us. These little life hacks include ways to use the materials we have close at hand to accomplish everyday tasks. Perhaps you have heard of these creative ways, these life's little hacks of cleaning, cooking, of repairing broken things. These little ideas and suggestions help us in the most practical ways. But we can also think of this expression, life's little hacks, as those things that bring us peace of mind, that help us live a life of yoga. And what might they be? Think of ways to bring mental serenity to find wisdom amidst life's challenges, ways to draw energy and inspiration from within ourselves, ways to help others. All of these life's little hacks become vital to us. In the art of living, we often wonder what percent is study, examining our life, and what percent is practice? How much of it is science, and how much of it is art? We know our meditation is essential, vital, to our spiritual life, to the life of yoga. Do we meditate to learn to be calm? Or do we learn to meditate because we are already calm? We can ask ourselves these questions. 
there is an activity of peace. It is active, not passive. In a way, it is a moving stillness. A moving stillness. But we cannot always sit in meditation or rest in tranquility. So much of our life must be given in service. But that does not mean we cannot find peace in our active lives. Often we find we are most content when we are engaged in activity that we enjoy, when we find ourselves fully engaged in our effort, in our service. Everything seems to flow seamlessly. But when we do not find contentment in what we do, that unfortunate circumstance begins to weigh on us. It makes it all the more difficult to achieve equanimity. We become uncomfortable and distressed. We attempt to gather the mental strength of tranquility. The effect of this serenity upon our body, mind, and heart is profound and enduring. Even if we have only a small time to dedicate to this effort, we can find ways to make its effect last throughout the day. And we can rest assured in the knowledge that it will be there for us to return to again and again. Though we don't always realize it, it is an inexhaustible source. Inner peace is a spiritual force, a strength of soul. Think of Mahatma Gandhi's words, soul force. We so often think of peace as still, quiet, serene. But it is a force of soul, a force, a strength. It is dynamic. We may not always have mental strength. For that, we have to strive. But we always have soul force. It awaits us. And we can strengthen our mind by that force of soul. Each Sunday during our worship service, we join together in offering expressions of a universal ideal, 
of absolute monism. These expressions, these eternal truths, have been gathered for us from the scriptures of humanity, from the Rig Veda and the Upanishads, from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, the Quran, and the Avesta. Please join me in offering these eternal truths. I am an absolute monist. I believe truth is one. Men call it by various names. God, Brahman, is consciousness, existence, bliss, absolute. Everything is the manifestation of God, the divine reality. The soul of man is of identical nature with the God of the universe. Make thine own self pure by good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Realize thyself. By the realization of one's own self, the absolute self is realized. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. He who realizes God becomes one with God. I am that I am. I and my Father are one. I am Brahman, the Absolute Self. At this time, we will have a reading offered by Tony Venturis. A reading from the second chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. The Blessed Lord said, When one is completely free from all desires of the finite self, and has attained the peace of the self by realizing the self, this person reaches perfect wisdom. One is a sage who is calm and self-controlled amidst suffering, one who does not seek permanent happiness from the objective world, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger. When one is not attached or indifferent to another, does not rejoice in the desirable alone, and is not vexed by that which is undesirable, this renunciate has realized perfect wisdom. When the yogi can completely withdraw the senses from sense objects, as a tortoise draws in its limbs, then the yogi is firmly established in wisdom. Whereas one who has attained a perfect control over the mind and complete mastery over the senses, who is free from attachment and aversion, while living in the world of sense objects, this person realizes peace. In peace, all sorrow ceases and the peaceful mind soon becomes established on the self. Impossible is the attainment of wisdom by the uncontrolled mind. Impossible is meditation for the restless. Peace can never be attained without meditation. And unless one has realized peace within, where else can one find it? Please take the prayer book once again, Prayers of Self-Realization and turn to prayer number 103, which may be found on page 139. Slowly and reverently, let us pray. O God, Thou Father of the universe, the whole creation is Thy manifestation. 
heaven and earth proclaim thy glory. In the immensity of space and the eternity of time, the sun, the stars, and the planets play thy mystic symphony. O thou Almighty, thy will guides the destiny of creation. Life moves in obedience to thy command. O thou omnipresent being, thy presence permeates all. Thy harmony shapes the beauty of the universe. Thy love fills it with peace and joy. Inspire us to realize thy beauty, love, peace, and joy everywhere. But let us realize thy glory within us first. For thou art the soul of man, as of all created beings. Amen. At this time, please join us in singing the hymn, Peace Be to This Congregation. offering the prayer of devotion by Swami Yogananda Paramansa, the Guru Preceptor of our Church. Heavenly Father, may Thy love shine forever on the sanctuary of my devotion, and may I be able to awaken Thy love in all hearts. Om. Peace. Amen. We often think that we want to change the minds and hearts of people around us. But how can we do that if we don't change our own mind and heart first? 
How can we expect others to be composed, self-controlled, loving, and compassionate? When we ourselves find it difficult to live by such qualities, we have to first work at it within ourselves. That too proves to be a constant challenge. It is easy to become impatient with our own progress or lack thereof. Think of the words we just heard from the Bhagavad Gita. Peace guides our entire nervous system to a state of poise and composure. This composure is what maintains equilibrium in the face of all external and changing conditions. Inner peace cannot be conditioned by the ever-changing environment around us. We make a mistake by trying to find a sense of peace through objective means. We have to remember that peace comes from the soul. We realize it by observing and practicing spiritual principles in our everyday life. Peace comes from the soul because peace is the nature of the soul. Peace is the true nature of the soul. A wise person does not allow outer conditions to rule the inner life, but still we often allow obstacles to overwhelm us. We don't know how to remove them. We don't. We don't know how to remove the obstacles. The work of our subjective life is to be able to surpass the functions of the mind. That's a tall order. The mind is seemingly infinite in its ability to dream, to imagine, to create, and yet we are so often bound by the limitations of our mind, of our fear, insecurity, anger. Here then is a life's little hack, meditation, meditation. We attempt to use our mind in order to go beyond the function of the mind. This takes constant practice. 
It is a lifelong effort. To know the peace of soul, the truth within us, we meditate. We look within our serene mind. If we do not find peace within, where else will we find it? We read in the Svetasvatara Upanishad, with patience and serenity, the restless mind is gradually made calm and creative. And in this same Upanishad, we find this commentary on the effects of meditation. In the preliminary stage of meditation are experienced lightness of body, good health, poise, serenity, brightness of complexion, gentleness of voice, holiness, and purity of the senses. Remember the effect of peace upon our body, mind, and heart is both profound and enduring. This message from the Upanishad explains just that, that the effect of meditation, of subjective serenity on the body, mind, and heart is real. It is noticeable by ourselves and by others. What causes this effect? True knowledge of the self. Peace comes from true knowledge. True knowledge alone is the creative power of peace. Truth. Remember Mahatma Gandhi's ideal of soul force is satyagraha, holding firmly to truth. I want to share with you a story about a goldsmith. And there are some important lessons that pertain to our achieving that dynamic serenity and refinement of mind. There are some natural impurities found in gold such as earth, sand, gravel, and grit. Now, the goldsmith first pours the gold into a trough and washes, rinses, and cleans it thoroughly. When the goldsmith has done this, there still remain some moderate impurities, such as fine grit and coarse sand. 
Then the goldsmith rinses and cleans it again. When the goldsmith has done this, there still remain some minute impurities in the gold, such as fine sand and dust. Now the goldsmith repeats the washing, and thereafter only the gold dust remains. The goldsmith now pours the gold into the melting pot and smelts it, melts it together. But the goldsmith does not yet take it out from the vessel, as the dross has not yet been entirely removed, and the gold is not yet quite pliant, workable, bright. It's still brittle, and it is not yet ready to lend itself to molding. But a time comes when the goldsmith repeats the melting so that the flaws are entirely removed. The gold is now quite pliant, workable, and bright, and it lends itself easily to molding. Whatever ornament the goldsmith now wishes to make of it, earrings, a necklace, or gold chain, the gold can now be used for that purpose. Similarly, in the case of one who is devoted to spiritual practice, there may be some gross impurities similar to the gold that we just described. But these impurities might be found in conduct, in thoughts and words and actions. The devotee gives up these aspects of thought and word and deeds, puts away, lets go, relinquishes such conduct. And when one has abandoned these, there may still remain some impurities of a moderate degree. Jealousy, anger, even sometimes violent thoughts. And these thoughts, such thoughts, the spiritual practitioner gives up, puts away, lets go. When one has abandoned these, there still may remain such subtle impurities as clinging to relations, to group identities, to even one's own reputation. And when one has finally abandoned these, there may still remain attachment to special states of meditation. Thus, concentration is not yet properly calm and refined. It has not yet attained to full tranquility, nor has it achieved mental unification. But there comes a time when the aspirant's mind gains firmness within, becomes unified and concentrated. With such concentration, the aspirant is able to direct the mind 
to states of higher insight. Having accomplished this, the individual devotee should, from time to time, direct attention to three qualities of mind. The devotee should, from time to time, pay attention to the state of concentration, the state of energetic effort, and the state of equanimity. Now, if one gives direct attention only to concentration, one's mind may fall into idleness. If one directs attention exclusively to energetic effort, one's mind may fall into restlessness. And if attention is given solely to equanimity, one's mind will not be well concentrated on overcoming attachments. But if from time to time the devotee pays attention to each of these qualities, the devotee's mind will be pliant, workable, and lucid. So let's get back to our goldsmith. Now, suppose the goldsmith builds a furnace lights a fire in its opening, takes the gold with a pair of tongs and puts it into the furnace. From time to time, the goldsmith blows on it or sprinkles water on it or examines it closely. If the goldsmith were to blow on the gold continuously, it might be heated too much. If the goldsmith continuously sprinkled water on it, it would be cooled. If the goldsmith were only to examine it closely, the gold would not come to perfect refinement. But if from time to time the goldsmith attends to each of these three functions, the gold will become pliant and workable, bright and it can easily be molded. Whatever ornament the goldsmith wishes to make of it, the gold can now be used for that purpose. Similarly, there are those three qualities to which a spiritual aspirant should, from time to time, pay attention to. Concentration, energetic effort, and equanimity. If one gives regular attention to these, then one's mind will become pliant, workable, lucid, and not restless or disturbed. The mind will be well concentrated upon overcoming all limitations and attachments. The mind will achieve dynamic serenity. Amen. Thank you. Will you all now please fold your hands and place them at your hearts with consciousness lifted to the supreme self of us all. Together let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, 
which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Grant us, O Lord, the realization of thy presence, peace, and perfection, within us and all beings, now and forevermore. Amen.